Welcome one, welcome all. This is the Discovering Masculinity podcast, Rebirth, episode number six. And uh, joining me today uh, is a, a man that I follow follow on Instagram. Uh, his Instagram page is The Masculine Mandate. First name is Joey. This man is a Christ follower, a husband, a father, craftsman, and he is working to make biblical patriarchy great again. Uh, Joey of the Masculine Mandate. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for uh, for joining me tonight. Absolutely, brother. Thank you so much for having me. You're you're most welcome. Most welcome. Uh, so, Joey, I know you we you'd, we had talked a little bit off uh, off air here, but uh, you'd, you'd listen to a few of uh, of the other episodes. Which uh, thank you for for doing that. And um, uh, but uh, you know, first thing I always ask, I like to jump in with both feet and kind of kind of start off with uh, with a kind of a a deeper question. But uh, you know, my first question to each guest is, uh, what what does it mean to be a man in uh, the Western world in today's society? Sure. Um, I guess as I was thinking about that, uh, it really depends on who you're asking. Um, you know, if you're asking a mo- in the modern society, a modern progressive, it's interesting because like they wouldn't even be able to define, you know, what a man is. I, I, have you seen that documentary that uh, Matt Walsh did on what is a woman? I've seen I've seen clips of it, and uh, I'm I definitely want to watch the whole thing just because it's the clips that I've seen have been just really just really flooring it's like it, i'm just flabbergasted mm-hmm. like can you people not see the the clown show that you're contributing to here it's like it's oh a, yeah it, it's such a simple question but it's just i'm just amazed how people dance around it and just don't even don't even you know take a firm stance on it one way or the other i know it, it was really it was really fascinating we watched my wife and i watched it together and it's like it was hilarious but also just like really sad at the same time like you couldn't you didn't know if you should laugh or cry but so in, in that same sense you know if they can't define what a woman is clearly they're not going to be able to define what a man is um you know so you you, you ask those types of people they're not even going to have an answer if you come towards the you know conservative end of the spectrum you're going to get guys that you know first of all they're obviously going to acknowledge hey a man is a a biological male and he should do things like he's a he's a provider you know financial provider kind of a physical protector keeps his word takes responsibility things like that which i agree with all those things those are good um but i usually you know i want to go a step further and uh i'd say call it maybe a more biblically conservative perspective to say that like what a man is in the western world today is what a man is, was always supposed to be because God is the author. God is the creator. He created not only everything, but also men and women and masculinity and femininity. And so when I try to decide, you know, what, what does it mean to be a man? I'm going back to scripture. I'm going back to his word. A lot of times we're going right back to Genesis, right back to the first few chapters of the Bible where it all began because even when you read um, Paul and or even Jesus talking about men and women and marriage and things like that in the New Testament, 
they're usually referencing passages back in Genesis one, two, and three. So, um, so that that's my that's my ultimate source is uh, you know I, I'm going to go to what does the Bible say to, about being a man, and the ultimate example of manhood and masculinity I believe is is Jesus Christ. Like he wasn't just he wasn't just God. He wasn't just human, but he was also a man. Like, Mm -hmm. and so I I think there's something important there that he was a masculine man. Like he wasn't just like the, uh, an androgynous human. So by looking at his life, um, you see that he has traits of being strong and gentle. Uh, he always had integrity. He led by example. He doesn't just provide, but he sacrifices of himself to give the people around him the absolute best. And he takes responsibility, not only for his own life, but for the life of all the, the, the failures and the sins of all of his followers by sacrificially dying for them. And through his character and how he acted, um, we get a, a really clear picture of not only aspects of what it means to be a man, but in a lot more cases, more specifically what it means to be a husband and father. Um, so, yeah, to sum it up, I don't really take look at the Western world or consider the, the Western world when I'm trying to define what it means to be a man. Um, I'll just go straight to scripture, straight to Christ. And just as a final side note, there's a lot of people and I've talked to some guys, they're like, you know, Jesus was kind of beta, like, you know, he's kind of passive. He's super nice. You know, even I guess if you ask the Jews at that time when Jesus came, they probably would have thought something similar because the prophecies about Jesus um, or the, the coming Messiah was that he was going to come and crush, a, a, be a political conqueror. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's why they rejected Jesus. Cause they're like, who's this guy who's just like talking to all the poor people and healing the lepers and being super nice, uh, super kind and loving. It's like that he, he wasn't what they expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there is, there is that side of Jesus and you still get a very full picture of his masculinity in his first, in those 33 years of his life. But people often forget to read the book of revelation, which mm, yeah. shows an, another side of Jesus that like is the King warrior who's coming back to, you know, a, like reign with an, a, he's going to establish justice. He's going to right the wrongs. Um, it's there's some bloody scenes, you know, in re- in Revelation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you get, I think, especially if you take both of those together, you get a full picture of Jesus um, as this masculine man who is strong and gentle and righteous and holy and everything put together is all good. Yeah. Yeah. One of one of the things that that I thought of while you were mentioning Revelation, when when he comes back, he's coming back on a steed of war he's coming back bro dipped in blood like he's coming back and he's not he's not messing around when when Mm -hmm. he comes back to 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 set things right on on the earth and one of my favorite author authors and i've referenced him many many times and he's actually appeared on the on the podcast before uh john eldridge he uh mentioned in uh his groundbreaking book on 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 masculinity christian masculinity he, he posed the question to the readers you know was jesus more like uh william wallace or was he more like mother Teresa? and you know it depends on what the situation called for you know right. when the woman who was caught in adultery which that's a whole different story like she was she was caught in adultery like okay how how was she caught in adultery like you know there's right. there's some right. context behind that but you know he's 
he's gentle with her and he doesn't basically doesn't raise his voice he doesn't he you know doesn't condemn her and the woman at the well same same type of, of situation um and healing lepers you know he was very tender very compassionate like you said but then uh to just to pair it again what you said he's when he comes back in revelation he's more like william wallace than he is than he is mother Teresa, and, and uh, i think and uh john eldridge also wrote another book about the personality of jesus that uh, called beautiful outlaw that i just got done reading through here uh, about a month or so ago and it's it's a really interesting book about the different times where you know he was a little more playful and where he was more being like you know how guys can kind of play with each other and he was a little bit he was a little bit more playful he was a, and then there were you know times where he called out where he was um you know a little bit more you know um compassionate or or a little bit more stern um you know and i would i'd ask the money changers in the temple if they thought would think he was beta um that would be one thing that i would right. you know yeah. i'm sure they probably wouldn't think that or even like the egyptians like oh is is yahweh the god of israel like is is he al would you say he's alpha or beta like well judging by the yeah. damage that these plagues did to us i would say <laughs> yeah um right but kind of uh, uh, tying into that that first question, um, one thing that I that I do like to ask and explore with with other men in this space is what how would you gauge the state of masculinity in our culture right now and and the outlook um, um, for men right now? Sure, you know I, I want to kind of with all these questions, I have to like check myself and be. Um, just be careful to realize that like my personal experience and what I've seen, even, even online is just a, a pocket of people, you know, my, per, my personal spheres of influence is so small, like, you know, the local area that I'm in, the church that I go to, and, you know, even online, the people I interact with, um, you know, I, I'm sharing as much as I see, but I have to recognize and acknowledge that I'm, I'm still not looking at the, the most broad picture. Um, so, but personally, from my perspective, uh, the state of ma masculinity is certainly in a, in a place of being lost and, and confused. Um, and, and that's for a number of reasons. I think, you know, obviously feminism came in, I believe feminism is a form of or one of the arms of cultural Marxism that in one of its goals is just to dismantle the family unit. And that starts with dismantling patriarchy, dismantling father rule, which is what patriarchy means. And they did it flawlessly. <laughs> they did it perfectly, mm -hmm. but, and they did it by confusing uh, what, what does it mean to be a man? Like, well, women can do everything men can do. It was like, well, if that's true, then yeah, what does it mean to be a man anymore? What makes him unique and special and have purpose? Um, and so along with feminism, the church kind of followed along with that. And may, while it was never quite as extreme, the church, at least in my experience, has always has adopted this mentality that always speaks about um, what it means to be a man, especially particularly a husband or a father as like this servant leader. And Yes, that is an accurate term. And that is an accurate term to describe Jesus. But the problem with it is, is when it comes to practically play those things out, you ask like, well, what does it mean? What does it mean to be a servant leader? It usually means do whatever the people you're leading, supposedly leading, want you to do. 
you know? So Mm -hmm. if your wife or your kids want you to do this, we'll serve them by doing that. Whereas the correct understanding of servant leadership in my mind would be more, yes, you, you serve them, but you serve them by leading them. And the service that you offer isn't for what they want necessarily, but for what they need and what's best for them. Um, and that puts a much greater weight and responsibility on the man, but in general, so that's that latter half is more what I've learned recently, but in general, the church has given, has really weakened what it means to be a man and confused it and thrown out really vague terms like, yeah, and guys just don't know what it means anymore. So the confusion comes, it, the church isn't offering any answers. Um, I think the lack of rights of having any kind of rite of passage for young boys. I, I remember when I was younger, like in maybe late teens, someone was asking me like, what does it mean to be a man? Or when do you become a man? And, you know, guys are saying lots of different things like, well, you get your driver's license or when you can start drinking or you're 18, you're 21, when you can, when you first have sex, you know, and I don't know. I, I remember thinking back then like that. I don't know. Like, what does it mean to be a man? And how do I know that I am one <laughs> yeah. or that I've become officially become not just a biological grown adult male, but, uh, you know, uh, an actual man. Um, so the lack of that in our culture has, has also caused this downfall and confusion. Um, and so guys that really start searching when they, they're looking on the Internet, I feel like they find extremes you know Mm -hmm. if they're looking for like what does it mean to be a man they're either going to find a really feminized be in touch with your feminine side version of this is the new manhood or you're going to find a lot of that red pill uh stuff that's maybe like the hyper legitimately toxic masculinity that's you know selfishly motivated that takes that they've they've actually tapped into some truth about masculine and feminine dynamics yeah but they've warped it and twisted it to their own selfish ambitions and and uh and act in their own selfish gain so um in general you know what's the outlook for men um for me again for me personally i am seeing these pockets emerging of guys that are you know would be in this camp of what i call biblical bait biblical patriarchy and what these guys would call to. And I think kind of my first introduction to it was through Doug Wilson. And he, I don't know if you've seen, are you familiar with him? I've, I've heard the name. I'm not quite familiar with, uh, with the content. Okay. He's, uh, he's a pastor out in Idaho, but he has, um, he's written a lot of books, but he also has a, a series that was on Amazon for a while. I don't know if it's there anymore, but called man rampant. And he was just interviewing some other guys, you know, hour and a half interviews. And they were talking about um, just things that pastors and the church never talked about. Like one of the, Mm. the titles of one of the episodes was like the, uh, like the sins of Christian women. And they just talked Mm. about how in the church, it's like, you can't call, women sinners like you can call men sinners all you want but you can't call women that and another episode was talking about empathy and how like empathy is like this highest virtue but in reality like the bible never calls us to empathize to empathize to come wallow down in the pit with other people when they're you know suffering because of their sin in in many cases 
but rather to sympathize and objectively, you know, stand outside the pit, you know, grab a hand, pull him out. Anyway, this, this that series, Doug Wilson, some of his books, some guys like um, Eric Kahn, he has a podcast called the Hard Men Podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Good to Be a Man podcast, Michael Foster, non-tenant, and they have a book as well. The Family Captain, John Michael Clark, he has a Facebook group and a family coaching program. These guys are we're saying a lot of the same things mm-hmm. and like just, I don't know, awoke something in me, awakened something in me that was like, man, I, this is right. And I just kind of felt in my gut and they're finally giving practical answers to the questions that all men are having. What does it really mean to be not a nice guy, but a good man? Yeah. Um, and so I was super encouraged by that. And because of guys like that, I'm, I'm optimistic that that will continue to spread, you know, in, in my circle, I see a lot of guys that are talking about that on Instagram, but I mean, I have, I don't have a, that many followers in compared to the, the entire nation. So my hope certainly is that this continues to trend um, as many people are seeing the fallout of feminism. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would, I I'm, I'm pretty encouraged by, by that too, having been in this space for, uh, for a little, yeah, off and on for, for a couple of years. Um, and just knowing that there's guys like you and guys like who, like Jonathan Rios, who, you know, we're talking, you're just mentioning rites of passage. He, that's one of the things that, that he offers, uh, men is, is that rite of passage. That's really like you said, just been missing even from, from my generation, I'm, I'm turning 40 here in about a month and a half. And I didn't really have anything that I can recollect as far as like a rite, rite of passage. There were things that I would do with my dad that he would have me in, in times that he would have me try and do things on my own just to, so I could learn to do them. And so, I mean, that's, I don't, but I don't know if you would consider that like a rite of passage where, you know, that where there's stories of, tribes in Africa about leaving, you know, abandoning a young man in, in the woods. And he's got a, he's got three days to find his way back on his own. And then right. when he comes back, he's, he's a man and he can claim, he can claim a bride in the, in the tribe. And, and, you know, we're, we're really, really missing with, with that, missing a lot with that. And there's not a lot of great battles left to fight anymore. I think for, for men, I mean, you can, you can enlist mm-hmm. in, in the armed forces and fight for your country, but at the same time, there's not, you know, there's not a lot of clear cut, you know, good and evil battles that, that I see going on right now that, and, you know, kind of touching back on kind of touching back on fem, feminism is, is a man's got a core question at the soul of his being that, that, that he's been asking his whole life. And he, and uh, it's, do I have what it takes? Can I come through? And, feminism and modern culture has just answered that question with a resounding no here for many many years even even long before i even thought of doing this this podcast it's been answering that question and i think the pandemic even kind of accelerated that when people were put into categories of essential non-essential workers like okay well yeah you're not an essential worker so you need to stay home like well what do you mean i'm not essential like right I'm, i'm a human being i'm trying to you know bring some value to the to the world here and you're telling me that i'm i'm not essential and so it's yeah i I like what i like what jonathan rios said um when i was listening to what he said about like you have to give them an experience where they might fail yeah because i think that's where 
that's where men find that resolve of, I do have what it takes. But if they've gone their entire life with everything padded and comfortable and easy, and they've never been tested, like that's a detriment to them. That's a disservice that we're, we're keeping our our children and particularly our boys so safe and padded. Um, But as a result, they have no confidence to step out really and, and to, to, yeah, to just know, yeah, I've got what it takes. Like I did that thing back when I was 13 or 18 or 15 or whatever, that was incredibly hard or super painful or super scary, but here I am, I made it through. And, you know, my dad taught me something. Other men taught me something through that. And now, now I know I can do it. Now I know I'm a man. Yeah. Yeah. For a lot of that. And I was just thinking about your, we were, we were talking, you're, you've got a, you're wearing a t-shirt right now with the uh, Michigan's upper peninsula. I was telling you about how growing up in Michigan and you you're in Wisconsin. And so we know that uh, um, the opening of, uh, of deer season in especially, I I think it, I used to say this sarcastically, but I think it's true now I'd have to double check it, but it used to, we used to joke that the opening of deer season was a state holiday because you know, nobody would would come to school or nobody would come to work. You know, it, it, it was just kind of, or, you know, or guys would come in after half days. And, you know, that, I think that's one of those rite of passages that, that we talk mm-hmm. about, especially growing up in the, in, in rural Midwest is like, you know, going hunting with your dad and like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I shot that deer. I killed that deer. I skinned it. You know, we put that venison in our freezer. Like I, I did that and I've got the the antlers to prove it. And I, I've got uh, some antlers behind me on, on my wall. And unfortunately I've, I didn't, I didn't kill the, the deer that these came from, but I, I found it one day while I was uh, working um, outside and, and I just, I kept it. And, but at, at the same time, it's, it, you know, the, like you said, we're, like you said, we're just missing those rites of passages. We're missing those, those battles to fight. We're missing those, those dragons to slay. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, even men can have become really kind of angry and disassociated with, with that, but having those pockets of guys like you and guys like, like Jonathan Rios and Will Spencer and, and uh, the gentleman that, that you had mentioned, you know, well, all, all those podcasts and books that, uh, uh, that Joey just mentioned, we'll have links to those in the, uh, in the show notes. So, so uh, listeners can access those. Um, I, I do that with every episode, any book that's mentioned, I reference in the, uh, in the show notes, but that's some great, some great stuff to plug in. And, and, that's one of the reasons I came into this space was to try and help turn this tide. I saw the red pill movement online and I was like, well, there, the red pill movement does have some good aspects about it. But like you said, it's, it's, it's based more in secular culture rather than with that faith-based lens. And when you put that faith-based mm-hmm. lens that, that, that we're called to look through uh, at things like that, that's where, um, that's where it you know, needs to turn around. I think that's the, the big thing that the, that the red pill and men's movement misses is that, you know, we're not called to, to date multiple women and, and at the same time and, and spin plates, you know, is one of the phrases that they right. use or be, be a player, you know, we're, we're called to, we're called to monogamy and called to, to have an intimate relationship with the woman that we love and to, to procreate and, and rule over our, our own household. And, and so that's uh, one of the reasons that I got, got into this space and, and um, I'm honored to, to be, uh, to be considered part of this space along with, with you and many of the, the men that I've had on the, uh, on the show. But um, uh, what, one thing I do want to ask you a little bit, we've talked a lot about faith here. I do want to kind of uh, branch off a little bit and just um, ask you real quickly about, uh, about your testimony, how you came to know Christ and, and what that journey has been like in, in your life. Sure. Um, well, I'm, I'm one of those kids that was raised in the church and 
uh, as far as I know, got saved at, at a young, young age. I don't remember the moment or the time. Um, but it was certainly, it was certainly my mom told me about it anyway, a conversation with my mom, um, talking about heaven and hell and, uh, these different things. And I knew I, <laughs> I knew I really didn't want to go to hell. So I was like, yeah, let's, let's get saved. <laughs> and, uh, so, um, yeah, let's, let's pray. And I, I prayed and I don't know if the Holy spirit answered me at that time I, at maybe four or five, but, um, my mom said I was always very spiritually sensitive, you know, at a young age. Um, I don't have a ton of memories of it, but I do remember lacking confidence and security. And there was, there was also uh, when I was in, um, I think it was when I was in third or maybe I was in sixth grade, third grade, sixth grade. I can't remember now. Uh, but my mom acted in this production that our church was putting on called uh, Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. Um, mm. And it was basically a depiction of a lot of different people's life scenarios, um, essentially, you know, a few minutes, five minutes or so before some accident happens and they die. Uh, you know, so they're having a dialogue conversation and you get to kind of see, well, here's a guy who you know, literally just prayed to receive Christ. Is he going to make it into heaven? And, you know, uh, so it's depicting these different scenarios that, um, uh, of what, uh, what it might look like to die and be at the gates of heaven and the book of life opened and what, and what happens next. And, uh, my mom was acting in that play with a, with a young girl and they were walking shopping. Um, and, and they walk out, the girl's been going to Sunday school, learning about God, but the mom hasn't been going to church and doesn't really, isn't interested in those things. And mm -hmm. uh, they walk out in front of bus, get hit by a bus. And all of a sudden they're at the gates of heaven. Well, you know, my mom's name isn't in the book of life and the girl's name is, and there's, you know, the dark side of the stage where Satan, you know, comes out there's kind of like smoke and grabs her and she's, screaming and yelling and it is you know pretty try terrifying for me as a kid mm -hmm. um and i remember that being a time where i like really de rededicated my life to the lord and i can honestly say that i don't i've like never really had any significant doubts about my faith since that time and <clears throat> and i also want to say that that that's not you know my entire faith journey uh, you read a lot in the proverbs and in different parts of the bible that the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom or the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of understanding. And I really think that does apply to how salvation works for most of us, because mm -hmm. especially if you get saved as a kid, there's just not a whole lot of understanding of like, what does it really mean to love God? Who is this being you know, created me? What does this all mean? But you can understand kids can get in a pretty good understanding of hell and that's mm. and that god is an authority and he has the power to send you there if you don't you know believe or you know go his his directed path and believe in the gospel and so i think that applied to me i i believed uh it, out of fear the fear of the lord was the beginning of my wisdom and knowledge but it wasn't the end i definitely grew in a relationship with the lord my parents were missionaries in a third world country. They felt called there. So we moved uh, overseas for 
a pretty good portion when I was nine and pretty much to the time that I graduated from high school, went to a missionary boarding school over there. Um, so I was always in a Christian, Christian environment relatively. Mm -hmm. I mean, a Christian curriculum, but definitely all, all my friends were not all Christians. Um, and, uh, God, God's just grown me through different, you know, I could get into more parts of my testimony, but in general, um, I've, my parents, you know, it taught me the word. I went to a good church that taught the word. And I'm, so I'm, I'm really grateful to them and to my church, uh, and to the environment I was put in that just gave me this opportunity to have a really solid foundation. And from that point, I went to a couple of different Bible colleges and, but God's definitely worked on me over the years and uh, through some different circumstances, I feel has really shown me that I am his child, particularly through times of discipline. Um, yeah. You know, scripture says that God loves his children and he disciplines those whom he loves. And if you're not disciplined, then you're an illegitimate son. And there were certainly times in my life where uh, I was not following him the way I should have been, or I was uh, idolizing other things in my life, particularly sports, playing sports. Mm -hmm. And he just drew me back to himself through, through different means and injuries. And um, while it wasn't necessarily fun in the moment, I can look back on that time as a really precious time because it was God communicating to me, like, you're my son, you've been wandering and this isn't good for you. Come back to me. Uh, and he's done that a couple of times in my life. And that's always been reassuring, even though it's not fun. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's done that with, uh, done that with me too. I can, can go through a few, few instances like that. And even things that, yeah, that I've, that have become idols in, in my life. And I, it's just part of the, it's part of the human experience. But the, the good thing is, is that we mm -hmm. do have that, uh, that to fall back on. But, um, uh, uh, he is Joey of uh, the Masculine Mandate, joining us here on the Discovering Masculinity podcast. Uh, we are going to take a quick break here. Got a couple more questions after the break to uh, to go over with Joey about uh, about his platform, his journey as a uh, husband and father, and um, um, do want to ask him about his beard. I'm very jealous of it. It's uh, it's quite uh, you know is lovely lovely the word I want to use for for the beard. Is that is that masculine enough? I don't know. It's not. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm jealous because I can't grow one like that is, is what I'm, was what I'm getting at, but, um, um, but we'll be, uh, we'll hey, be right. I'll take lovely. I'm sure. <laughs> Love very, uh, very masculine, very robust, very, very full, very, uh, yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like it is what I'm trying to say. Thank so, you. Appreciate it. But, uh, we'll be, uh, we'll be right back. This is the, uh, discovering masculinity podcast.
Welcome back to the Discovering Masculinity podcast. This I am your host, John Waltz, and uh, failed to mention where I'm recording at. I am recording in the uh, great state of Tennessee in Franklin, just south of the Music City. Very lovely fall weather that we're having here uh, this week. But uh, joining me from parts unknown is Joey of the uh, Masculine Mandate. Uh, I was just mentioning uh, his great uh, masculine beard right before the uh, the break but uh, uh joey kind of no, I, I call it i call it a you know it, it took me a while to get to this point but it's more of like a comb over for my face it's okay you know i, I was more patchy before but it's like if you just push through the awkward patchy phase and let it grow longer just covers right over that's the okay. strategy yeah i, I might uh, i might give that a try i don't know i i've <laughs> i've grown a goatee before and i kind of looked how liked how the goatee looked on me it was just kind of the maintenance of it kind of yeah i guess got tired of maintaining it i one one day I, or one week i i had it i had a really bad cold really runny nose and it was just kept running down into my stash so i was like every time i blow my nose i have to like <laughs> clean out clean off the mustache part of the goatee and i was like ah eh, you know I'm, I'm just you know it's easier just to keep it clean shaved but but, uh, uh, you know, it's the, and, and, but luckily I haven't lost any of my hair yet. It's kind of thin on top, but, uh, um, that's, well, Hey, you're, you're, you're beating me there. Then. <laughs> um, my, my dad, he was, he's, uh, he's bald. So, um, he, he just, he got to a point where he just started shaving all of his hair off too. It was actually kind of funny. I thought when I was a little boy, I thought he looked like Bozo the clown. Cause like his hair grew out long on the side like that. So, um, I'm sure he won't appreciate me saying that on the internet for, for people to, to hear, but, uh, I love you, dad. Love you, dad. He's, um, he was one of my guests on the podcast, um, back in 2020 around Christmas Eve. I think, okay. uh, yeah, he and I, uh, had a, had a good talk on the, on the show, but, uh, um, but yeah, speaking of, of being a dad, being a father, um, I, uh, am not yet a dad or a father. So I, I, anytime I get someone who's a dad and a husband and a, and a, and a father on, uh, on the podcast, I like to, to ask them about what their journey's been like and what they love most about, about those roles, about being a, a father and, a, and, uh, being a husband. So, um, Joey, what's, uh, what's, what's your journey been like? What's your, what's your favorite thing about being a, uh, being a father and a husband? Oh, it's hard to sum up. Um, you know, my, the, the journey I'd say it has been, you know, from, for me per, particularly, like it's been, there's been rocky times and there's been a lot of pride, especially when I was younger, just a lot of the assumptions like, yeah, yeah, I got this. It's, you know, like I, I read Ephesians five, uh, you know, 20, 22 to 31 or 33, or whatever it is, like husbands and wives, this is what you're supposed to do. I've got, I've got this whole marriage thing nailed down. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was just, I was pretty prideful in, in that regard coming into marriage. Um, not, not really prepared with the right answers. What does it really mean to be a good husband? What does it mean to husband my wife? What does it mean to be the head of my wife? Um, and, but I, I have, I have such an amazing wife. Uh, she, she's got a pretty large pl platform on, on Instagram as well. And she's been talking about biblical femininity um, and biblical womanhood for a long time, started on YouTube you know, almost 15 years ago at this point, mm. but, um, you know, it, the journey, it's like every, every day you're learning, especially with parenting, 
we have we have five kids. Our oldest is just turned eight, and our youngest just turned three. <laughs> and we have no twins in there, so it's like right now it's eight, seven, five, four, three mm, okay. um, in their ages. And uh, we've we've had a very we've been married for like nine and a half years now, um, and we've just had a, a very a, a very busy uh, life life together between having having kids and figuring that out. Uh, there's definitely been my encouragement to young couples or even guys that are single, even though they don't have the discipline or <laughs> vision to think of this is like really figure out what, um, how you're going to parent, how you want to parent your children, like actually read parenting books or when you're early married, like figure that stuff out before you start having kids, because it's such a huge responsibility. Um, it's, it's amazing how much, it's so true. The whole phrase more is caught, uh, more is caught than taught. Mm-hmm. You know, I can talk to I'm blue in the face, um, trying to give them a lecture and teach them the right thing to do at the end of the day, 10 times out of 10, they're going to do what I do, not, not what I say. And so it's just, it's a mirror marriage. Marriage is one level of a mirror that reveals your selfishness, your pride, your, um, your, your pitfalls areas you need to work on. And then having kids is just like a whole nother level, uh, that exposes, um, teaches you so much about yourself and your relationship to God, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, just because it's like, Oh, so God, this is how you feel when you've told me in your word over and over not to sin in this way. And I just keep doing it when my kids in front of me and I've just told them like 15 times to stop doing that. And they're, and they're getting consequences, but they're still doing it. Like, man, this is frustrating. God's like, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, but uh, so it's been a sanctifying process. But as I can just attest to, as I've discovered more of God's plan for both marriage and for parenting, it becomes so much more joyful and satisfying and peaceful and content and there's still a lot of a lot of time in that in that journey for me of of really figuring all that out i I don't think any man should ever say like i've i've got it all together or i've figured it all out because it's at that moment that you start to coast and Mm -hmm. whatever but um i'd say there was a lot of kind of like i was saying earlier i was also in that group of like okay what does it mean to be a servant leader um you know how do what am i practically supposed to do with my wife uh to to love her and cherish her and nourish her like the bible tells me to and live with her with understanding um i didn't really know those things till a couple of years ago and that's it where i've found some of these other resources and that's what's really helped me to grow and learn that's what eventually kind of led into my um starting my platform was like, ah, like I'm finally getting it, starting to apply it. I'm seeing the fruit, things are changing. And, um, and I want other guys to hear this too, cause I'm just not hearing it in many places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's great. So uh, actually I was, you know, I'm going to ask you a little bit more about your, about your platform, but I think you've, you've answered it a couple different times, a couple different ways. So we'll, uh, 
we'll hop over that. But um, um, last last question I do want to ask, um, and I this is another question that I ask uh, uh, every guest. But um, um, we're, we were talking about you know men who are um, kind of have kind of given up on the world and and that they're they're kind of at a point where they've been told that they they don't have any value or that they're non essential or or that uh, you know that fem- they feel like feminism has kind of made them uh, feel feel useless i guess in in the modern world today I and mean, what what kind of counsel would you give to a man who's who's young man who's in that space ready to to disconnect or even potentially go go red pill and just kind of give up on on those godly relationships and uh what you know um uh, i'll let you go ahead and, and pick it up from there sure i'd say like the the first and most foundational thing you need and this would apply to women too but like find your identity in Christ, not, not, not even in your gender or your race or your status in society or what you're capable of doing, but find your identity in Christ. Come to know him because the create, if the creator of the universe and the King of the universe who made you loves you enough to sacrifice himself to pay the entire penalty for for your own failures your own sins like let that sink in like god god has bestowed on you value um and you know the guys that are just ready to give up and quit it, it's because they've been society or in a number of different ways like you're saying has told them they're worthless they're pointless what's we don't need you um and god is has a completely different message and he says you are valuable I did die for you. I, I love you. And when you find your identity and your position in Christ, that means you're understanding that when I put, put my faith in Christ, my identity, I'm now connected with Christ. I am in him and he is in me, in me. My life is now with Christ, hidden with Christ in the heavenly places. Like God does you know, it's called, um, double imputation. He takes, when we, we switch with him, essentially, you know, we, he takes on our sinful nature and he deals with that on the cross. And then we also receive his righteous nature, um, as, as a position. Um, it's not, our, it's not our condition. Those are different. Our condition is how we live out day to day. We still sin, right? We, just mm-hmm. because we put our faith in Christ doesn't mean we're not, we're sinless, perfect people. But positionally, when we've put our faith in Christ, we can rest in the fact that Jesus has done it all. And he has paid the price. He's removed our sins far from us, as far as the East is from the West. It says in Psalm 103, when we've put our trust in him, um, and there's just, so there's this peace and rest and forgiveness that is always there. And it's not based on us. It's not based on what we do. It's simply, it's based on what Christ has done. So I tell a guy like, start there, find your identity in Christ, because that's going to, that's going to be the foundation that you're going to launch off of to, you know, next finding your purpose. Um, what has God called you to specifically, you know, when, Paul's talking about the church in first Corinthians and in Romans 12 or sorry. Yeah. Romans 12 and first Corinthians 12. He talks about this body 
of uh, he makes an analogy of a body made up of different members, different body parts um, that all need each other to function for the entire body to function properly. And that the eye can't say to the ear that I don't need you because, you know, because you're not an eye. Like every part's valuable and it serves a different purpose. And when when we're in the family of Christ, he's created you for a, a, a specific purpose in that body not just locally, but universally. So finding out what that is and pursuing that is, is something that gives a whole lot of life and, and meaning. And one of the ways to, to kind of figure out where God has put you and is to be connected with other men. Um, and this is really hard. I found this is hard. Uh, I I've been in a lot of men's groups over the years, but to find men's groups that are particularly interested in like really pushing forward hard, like, yeah, that you can go to a church and find a men's Bible study where we'll sit around a table and we'll open our Bibles and we'll read the word. And that's good. But I, I want to look for more than that. Like I want to be with guys that are like, okay, now we're going to be super vulnerable uh, where we're struggling in our lives, where we're sitting, we're going to ask questions like, how's your marriage doing? How's your parenting doing? Where are you, where are you struggling there? Um, and give each other wisdom and advice and pray for one another. And so trying to find a community of like-minded men that will help you push and strive forward and hold you accountable to live that righteous life. Um, and if you can't find it locally, I've even struggled to find it locally, but if you can't find it locally, it sounds like there's, there is a lot of, um, uh, you know, online men's groups through, through Instagram. What, mm-hmm. Did you mention, I think, do you, were you part of the group through the masculine revival or uh, you just know Brendan through there? Uh, I, I am currently uh, in one of Brendan's groups through the masculine okay. revival. Yeah. He, he does, uh, uh, a few different ones throughout the, uh, throughout the course of the week, but, but I am part of that. And that's how I got connected to a lot of the guys that I've had on, uh, on this rebirth of the podcast. So yeah, Brendan's a really, he's a uh, fantastic guy, really great guy. And, and, uh, he's been very helpful to me and actually encouraged me to start doing this, uh, this podcast podcast again in this in this space so i do do owe a, a bit of grat, uh, debt of gratitude to, to him but uh but yeah just to say to, to yeah, what you're saying that's all it took right yeah that's yeah. all it took is just one guy being like hey like i think i believe in you like i think you can do this and this will serve a purpose and who knows what this what you this platform what you're doing is going to grow to and who it's going to help and um <laughs> you know one guy the other day, even though I've posted about this before, um, this other guy I follow and you might have him on here at some point, but, uh, Kurt storing, uh, with dad work, Kurt, mm, yeah. uh, his, his, yeah, his Instagram, uh, I've gotten to know him a little bit over the past year and he just, you know, in his stories the other day, uh, talked about like, you know, his workout, that routine that he's been doing in the morning. And he's like, I dread it. <laughs> you know, I don't enjoy it. I'm not looking forward to it, but when I'm done, like, man, I feel good. Yeah. And, and it's, and I was just kind of at this point where I've been pretty consistent with my morning routine, but I'd starting to get a little bit lazy, you know, spending a little more time on my phone and not as much time, uh, you know, reading my Bible or reading another book or doing my workout schedule that I had planned. And, just that, just listening to that, like 
30 second clip of him just saying like, yeah, to get up, do hard things. And it's like, and you feel good about it because you're proud of what you've done. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. And I just got up right then. And I was like, time to work out. Like, so I yeah. went and did my workout. And after that, I was like, yeah, like now I'm going to go crush the day and crush my life. And, and yeah. you know, yeah. do everything. It's just to know, to have other men that are striving for greatness in, in all different areas of life is, is so helpful. Don't try to lone wolf it. Don't try to, it, Satan wants you alone so he, he wants to exclude you he wants you to believe that your your sin issues and your questions in life are you're the only one who has them and it's just not true like you just got to get it together with another handful of guys that are like yeah we want more um and, and start being open and vulnerable so i'd encourage that and and lastly and this kind of ties into that previous point is like just reject any concept of extended adolescence um take responsibility in your life for everything that you can as soon as you can. Um, Mm, I understand, you know, there's living in your house, your parents' house to save money for a while. I even did that myself. Um, But just, yeah, getting your own job, paying your own bills, disciplining yourself to, to get up early um, and do that workout, to read the word, to study, to study because, I try to tell single guys this all the time. It's, I think it is hard. I think it it was hard for me as a single guy and it's, it's hard for any single guy to really have the vision and the discipline to do all these things that help you grow as a man, because you don't have the immediate effects of your passivity right in front of you. Whereas Mm, if you're a husband and father, man, it, if you slack one day, it shows, it shows quick, man. If I'm not the emotional stable rock in my home and my kids are starting to get emotional and I'm just meeting them and their emotions rather than showing them the path through it. Like, you know, I can, I can lose that stability so quickly just by leading a life of, well, whatever happens happens and we'll just kind of go through the day. But if instead I wake up with intentionality and I have a schedule and I have a plan and I spend time with the Lord and I pray and ask him for that power and uh, to, to walk with him that day. And I'm intentional with that um, and just actively in my mind, confess sin actively in my mind, try to take responsibility for all these different areas. You know, I I'm setting myself up for success with my marriage, with my kids, with my family. And I just try to encourage young guys all the time. Like chances are you're going to get married at some point. But even if you don't like this is just the right way to live life, like live a life that you're proud of. Not not only that you're going to be proud of, but that you'd be proud of before the Lord, Um, because someday we're going to face him. He's the righteous judge. Uh Jesus tells the parable of the talents, right? He gives these mm-hmm. guys different, like one, one talent, think, was it three talents and five talents? And mm-hmm. the, yeah. the guys who get five and three, they double what they have. So the guy who's five, he made 10. And the guy who had three, he gets, turns it into six through different kinds of investments. You know, talents was a, a, a form of currency or like a lot of money at that yeah. time. Um, and, but yeah, the concept is like God's given you something in your life. He's given you abilities. 
He's giving you skills. He's giving you talents. He's giving you resources or privileges, whatever he's giving you in your life. Don't just sit there and squander it. Cause what the last servant did is he just took his one talent and he buried it in the ground. And he's like, well, at least I won't lose it. Right. And, and then what happens? Like he meets the master again. He's like, you're a whip wicked servant. And he gets like, chopped up into pieces or something like that mm-hmm. i might be mixing my parables but i think that's how that one ends it's like okay i don't i don't want to be that wicked servant <laughs> yeah god's, yeah. god's yeah. given me a life that i need to steward well and above that now that i'm a father and a husband he's given me a family that i need to steward well and am i gonna multiply there or am i, am I gonna squander and um just be passive about what I have. And so my main motivation comes from like knowing God's a righteous judge and he wants to reward me with great, good rewards for living a righteous life. Um, but for those who live a, a passive life and even worse yet, lead, lead their family astray. You know, Jesus says it's better for a man to have a millstone tied around his neck and thrown into his, in the sea than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Mm, yeah. And I'm just like so many times praying, Lord, have mercy on me because how many times have I led my kids astray in one way or another by my, by my anger or by my bad behavior or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so that just encouraging a young man, get disciplined now, take responsibility now and get together with those other men that aren't just going to push you towards that, but also encourage you in your relationship with God. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well said. Well said. Well, we'll uh, wrap everything up uh, from there. Um, he is Joey of the Masculine Mandate. Uh, Joey, where's the uh, best place for people to find you online? That is the only place to find me online right now is is the Masculine Mandate um, on Instagram. And with that's with uh, periods in between the words. And But I am considering, I've had a number of um, wives reach out to me saying their husbands really want to follow, but they don't have Instagram. Mm. And so I'm considering, you know, making a, uh, a Facebook group soon to kind of just reach that different de- demographic and audience. Um, so if I do that, it would probably, it would be under the same handle, the same name, okay. assuming that I'd be able to, to get that. Okay. Sounds great. Yeah. We'll have a link to uh, Joey's Instagram in the show notes, along with all of the, uh, the books that we, uh, that we referenced and, uh, uh, podcasts that Joey referenced during the, uh, during the show today. So you'll have access to, uh, to those to help you grow in your masculine journey. But, uh, uh, again, he is Joey of the masculine mandate. I am your host, John Waltz here in beautiful Franklin, Tennessee. And this has been episode number six of the masculine or the uh, discovering masculinity rebirth uh, i once again i am your host john walton i will talk to you next time <laughs>